Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast. Here's Rick Uccino and SP3 on the Believe Podcast Network. And a good Tuesday afternoon. Here we are, October 3rd. You believe it's October already? It's practically Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody. It's the holiday season, and pro wrestling is the gift that just keeps on giving, SP3. I mean, my goodness. On the heels of WWE signing away Jade Cargill, AEW, Tony Khan, with the big pull this weekend at WrestleDream. Don't call me Edge no more. Adam Copeland, all elite. Going face-to-face with his good buddy Christian Cage after a great main event, a brutal main event. My God, stop throwing Darby Allen on stairs for the love of God. Just, just a grown man I was, cringing like a little child, watching him get thrown into those steel steps over and over. Christian Cage is a menace. He's doing the best work of his career right now, and now he gets to just create magic with his best friend of 40 years and Adam Copeland. It is hard to not be happy with what we saw at the end of wrestle dream SP three. And yet, and yet there are people out there who are pissed off about this. Like, what are we doing? I saw, I saw people tweeting out like, you know, like when your sports team loses and you start burning jerseys, like those idiots, those, those, those dumbasses. Yeah, I saw people throwing away like their edge shirts and their edge figurines. And it's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Be happy about it. I don't know how you can watch what this man did at the end of the pay-per-view. Watch the post-scrum. Read his comments. See whether on CBS or Bleacher Report today. And not just be happy for the man. But there are just some people out there, SP3, who just want to be hateful and watch the world burn, I guess. Or at least set it on fire. Now. Typically, you like to be one of those guys who sets things on fire because you're an agent of chaos, but that's not what we're talking about here. That's not the the apples and oranges comparison. Regardless, uh, another great weekend for professional wrestling. We got another pay-per-view coming up this weekend in Fastlane that there's actually like matches that have been announced for that. We'll dive into that. We'll dive into No Mercy. We'll dive into AEW Wrestle Dream. But uh, just off the top here, SP3, your reaction to Adam Copeland. Don't call me Edge no more now being an AEW. My favorite tag team growing up as a kid was Edge and Christian. All my friends were Hardy's fans and Dudley's fans. And I was the kid who waited for the teacher to turn their back and write something on the board to do the five-second pose. I got a big hat when I was like 12 <laughs> years old because of Edge and Christian. It was all about Edge and Christian and Kurt Angle for me. Those created the true heel heat that uh, I now represent today. That was one of the first heels that I remember like loving and like copying them in my everyday life. So to see them in the ring in 2023 in my 30s, now with kids, and they just headline, you know, a a major pay-per-view for a promotion that is not WWE. It was a really surreal the moment and I thought it was one of the best endings to an AEW pay-per-view of all time. I think it was definitely the best ending to an AEW pay-per-view this year. So yeah, I think that 
yeah, it was just a great moment, a great signing, and it helped the perception for AEW, just overall, the entire pay-per-view, because, you know, with reports and with the major, you know, shifts that's happened in the company since All In, All In was a monumental moment for them, and, you know, with their record, their record biggest audience they ever been in front of, but they had the quick turnaround to All Out, and there was people that had issues with that. Then you had all the drama with CM Punk and the fallout with having to fire him. Then you have the great all-out pay-per-view, and people talked about that for a couple of days. But then you had more fallout from the CM Punk drama. And then when that died down, Jay Cargill left the company and went to WWE. So this was a big shift overall the, the company needed. And then as far as like, the future of the company there's been the reports as far as like positive stuff because i know that's very rare we talk positive stuff with aew positive stuff of them getting a deal on max for 12 pay-per-views a year but there's people that have the negativity of that like oh i don't know if tony khan's booking is that but when you look at wrestle dream overall now that we're kind of uh, you know in the rear view mirror it had it had one of the better builds to a pay-per-view that AEW has done ever True. because they had a shorter amount of time they had to focus on everything it had one of the best top to bottom cards that they ever put together and then the show just delivered every single match delivered from Julia Hart to Chris Statlander from Eddie Kingston to Shibata a match of the year contender with Brian Danielson and Zack Sabre Jr., one of the greatest technical wrestling matchups of all time in that matchup. They never left the ring. I watched the match twice, and, and it hit me the second time. But they never left the ring. That's it crazy. Was so, it was so pretty. Like, it was just, it was, it was so it was pretty. Beautiful. It was almost too beautiful. Like, it was almost it was too beautiful. Beautiful violence. The way that Zack Sabre Jr. contorted Brian Danielson's arm. An arm that is freshly healed, freshly healed from surgery as a steel rod, steel rod on the bone. And then a cherry on top. We had one of the greatest all time commentary performances by Nigel oh, McGinnis oh and John Moxley. Oh my God. John Moxley and Nigel McGinnis had, were like Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal in the Dude. year 2000 through 2001. You, you beat me on the uh, on the last question of the day. This was supposed to be question six of the five count. God damn it. More John Moxley on commentary. That man is a national I, treasure. Yeah, I, I love Moxley. Moxley gave me one of my all-time greatest uh, commentary calls, but it what it wouldn't be the same if he wouldn't when he wasn't next to Nigel McGinnis. People are not emphasizing how great Nigel McGinnis is at hating Brian Danielson. Oh, he's oh my God. It's like, it's like, it's like when I was a kid growing up, one of the first like experiences where I really paid attention to commentary used to be Gorilla Monsoon and Jesse the Body Ventura because Jesse the Body Ventura hated Hulk Hogan. Like it was like, it was great. And then when Bobby the Brain Heat and I would hear him, it was like the same thing. That's what I became, they became known for. So to like hear a, co- a heel commentator in 2023 it just it feels like he's from a bygone time because the heel commentators are either over the top and corny with it 
or there is just like I don't know. It's not ever focused on one person like Nigel's commentary. Yeah, yeah. Nigel's <laughs> pretty down the middle for everybody except Brian Danielson, and I think. Um, you really don't see the the straight hardcore like heel commentators even anymore. Like even yeah. even in WWE, like Wade Barrett and um and Corey Graves, like they they lean heel ish, but they're really not right. Like they'll yeah. they they'll have still... their guys that they like that are baby faces, and they right, acknowledge exactly. that they have real life friendships, like Corey with Seth or Wade with Drew. Like mm. they do that all the time, so they don't have that. That one guy that just and even AEW before Nigel didn't have that that guy like that. Like Taz leans heel, but he never goes over the top because his son is a babyface. I mean, right, exactly. To to go over the top with it, but like Nigel just was so great. The best call of the whole entire match was when Zack Saber Jr. had uh, Brian's arms tied behind his back in like a, a leg submission. And, and Nigel's like, I gotta get up. Brian, think about your, your wife. Retire now. And then all you hear is, is Moxley not even talking into the mic. He's almost talking away from the mic. And he says, come on, Brian. up that guy. <laughs> I, no. you know, I literally, during this John. serious, beautiful professional wrestling matchup, I could not stop laughing for a good minute. Dude, John Moxley, because like they kept cutting back to him at commentary, and I don't know if he was doing it on purpose or 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 not, but like he kept trying to cover up cover up the microphone, like it him hurts. screaming was not going to get picked up on the other three microphones within the vicinity of him on the commentary table, and he's just sitting there going, "Fuck him up, Brian, fuck him up," <laughs> and you just hear Excalibur going, "Swear jar." <laughs> Yo, that was one of the best, like, oh my God. Like that was just a cherry on top. Like what what I what I what I like said about the Wrestle Kingdom Osprey and Omega match, which is still my match of the year. This is like a close second. That I the the Don Callis on commentary added a lot to that match. Man, John Moxley and Nigel McGinnis added so much to this matchup. So yeah, that match of the year, Kenny. Then they went back to back with that one, and then the excellent trios matchup with mm -hmm. with Kenny Omega, Dakota Ibushi, Chris Jericho, Will Ospreay, Sammy Guevara, Kodosuke Takeshita. That was that was a blow away matchup. FTR and Aussie Open was the only victim of the crowd finally tiring out after all that. Didn't even mention Swerve Strickland and Hangman Adam oh Page. Oh my god, could have main evented the whole entire show and yeah. had one of the best crowds all year long when, when i look at what swerve strickland is doing right now i like more and more i'm just like yeah he needs to be the guy that dethrones mjf like i like seriously that's that's where i'm at right now but i could say that about a lot of other different people right now hell i'll i'll be happy to see mjf in a world title feud uh personally because it's like but but that overachieved too because mjf yeah. just totally made that a comedy matchup where he got over all his gimmicks in one matchup he said i'm gonna put your this, the guy with the dreads up the big one's butt i'm gonna slam the he big went one full hancock have you ever seen that will well, that will smith you know movie where he's like if you don't get out of my way your head is going up his ass like that's immediately what i thought about when when mjf was going with yeah look no the entire pay-per-view delivered 100 
And then we get. And Adam then you Copeland. have the ending. You yeah. have the ending with Christian yeah. and Darby, which was fantastic matchup. Darby Allen, those step bumps is some of the most violent bumps I've ever seen in my ever loving cringe worthy. Says the Fed in chat. Cringe. They, it, yeah, they were cringe worthy. I mean that that's just that's just. I I you if you if you didn't watch that's totally fine. The bumps on the boards were were violent as hell as well. And then the ending with Nick Wayne turning heel, where every everyone I talked to was just it's not like they're like it's like the it's like the reverse opposite of the Jimmy Uso, where I was upset because it didn't make a lot of sense and I felt like it was the wrong time. This one. I was upset because I'm invested in the story. And I'm like, why is this young kid going with this freaking scumbag father of the year? But everything makes sense because Darby, Darby freaking forgave AR a- a- Fox after he freaking mur- tried to murk this kid. And yeah. Christian manipulated him, used that to his advantage, got beat up earlier in the night. He probably was in the locker room, the first one to cover him. Like, you know, if you were on my side, that would have never happened to you. Like, like, like Christian Although, is a manipulator. It's great. It makes so much sense. Although, like, in all, in all honesty, I'd have a hard time palling around with anybody who's hitting on my mom that hard, right? Like, in all in all seriousness, like, I mean, so- if you if you want if you want a replacement dad, if you want you want a replacement, you want a dad, you want a dad that. that's making some money, making I some can't. money, and is a champion, and that could teach you stuff. And this you know, is the best thing for Nick Wayne's career. Oh, to is, be yeah, under sure. the, the Christian Cage learning tree. And the fact that he's now created this whole Christian coalition, it was just great. And then the Edge intro, Darby Allen, you you deserve props. That 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 film school degree you put to use with that video. And oh, then the Edge God. intro, uh, Beth Phoenix with the, if you, if you think you know him. I yeah, was like, yeah. <laughs> Dude, the fact they got Alter Bridge. They got the Alter Bridge song. They got everything. And how the hell did WWE let Rated R Superstar get away? Like, oh, boy, oh, boy. There, there's a lot of questions. There's a lot of things that are interesting. And that is officially the longest introduction to the show here at 14 minutes because we got to thank our sponsors. Got to thank our friends over at Bet Online. They continue to be your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season, whether you are uh, losing hand over fist on the Cincinnati Bengals like I am or you're actually like playing smart and, and winning money. They can help you do that. They have the latest player odds, all the developments, the injury news. It's all right there for you betonline.ag or you can use your smartphone to sign up today if you do that make sure to use our promo code believe b-l-e-a-v get 50 percent back on your first deposit when you sign up i said five zero 50 percent back on your first deposit uh just use our promo code believe bet online where the game starts we appreciate everybody who is uh in the chat lighting up the chat right now i love the conversation it's 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 all over the place uh we'll try to get to as many of those as we can do want to bring this one up because i was thinking the same exact thing earlier mcast this channel's now cursed we're at 666 subscribers i agree we need more we need to get off that 666 number we need 667 668 and let's get us all the way to a thousand by the end of the year that would be great too uh so uh if you're new to the program hit that subscribe button hammer it share out the link the tweet all of that stuff uh greatly appreciate the support appreciate everybody who checked out my conversation with julia hart 
uh, that I dropped on Sunday afternoon. I know it kind of got buried with all the NFL action, but uh, it's still there. It's live now. She's great. I was really happy she had a great performance in her first pay-per-view match uh, ever on Sunday with Chris Statlander. Uh, so uh, really, really great stuff there. And uh, I do believe I'm going to have an interview possibly, potentially uh, this week with Vert Vixen. I'm still trying to work out some specifics on that. Ahead of Revolver Grand Prix this weekend, SP3 in Dayton, Ohio. So uh, working on that for you guys as well. So let's let's look at this Adam Copeland signing. As great as the, um, as great as the moment was, SP3, just what this means for AEW from all aspects is fantastic. From the fact that they were able to land a huge star like Adam Copeland, who's basically take out CM Punk, insert edge, right? Like they're on the same, they're on the same level. So they lose a massive star in CM Punk. They lose a massive star in Jade Cargill. They're able to bring in Adam Copeland. Maybe Mercedes Monet is not that far behind him once, uh, you know, she's fully healed up. Um, you, what he's going to add to the locker room from a creative standpoint, from a knowledge standpoint, from a coaching standpoint, working with some of these younger talents and getting them up. All of these things, It this is why this was such an important pull for Tony Khan to, to be able to, to bring him in. And frankly, this is a, again, at the top of the show, I, I don't know how anybody can be mad about this. When you hear Adam talking about this, he's like, look, you know, I was out of ideas of what I could do in WWE. They were out of ideas for what they needed from me in WWE. Like we didn't know what to do with one another. We kind of grew apart. They didn't really need me where I was at. And I wanted to go have fun. I still wanted to do some stuff. My daughters told me to go have fun with uncle Jay. Like, I don't know how you can be mad at that. He's happy. He's going to be able to create some great stuff with Christian WWE left on good terms. They weren't using him anyway. They get Jade Cargill in. So, I mean, I, I that's about, honestly, about as fair as a trade that I think these companies can make when you look at Jade yeah. Cargill not fully being utilized to her potential in AEW. Adam Copeland just kind of chilling on the bench uh, and just being like a special attraction. Like, this is about as even as a trade that these companies could happen to make. They just It just wasn't a trade. It was just, hey, my contract's up. My contract's up. I'm going to go here. Hey, how's it going? I'm going over here. It, were, it was so crazy how perfect this worked out. My question, SP3, is how much is this going to be able to help them from a business aspect? CM Punk was a ratings draw. He was, right? He was a ticket seller. Can Adam Copeland step in and be that now for, for AEW? Are more people going to tune in to watch Dynamite? Are more people going to buy tickets to watch Dynamite in collision with Adam Copeland there, you think? He's not as many eyes as CM Punk drew, but he is going to bring some eyes over because he's been with some WWE so long. Edge has this identifiable kind of factor to him that he goes across different eras of WWE. He started off in the Attitude Era as a young kid in a tag team in the Brood with Edge and Christian in the tag, you know, the TLC uh, series of matches with the Dudleys and the Hardys, the ladder matches and stuff like 
that. Then he was a single star as you go through the invasion, you know, a mid-card single star winning the Intercontinental Championship, winning the U.S. Championship. Then you go into the Ruthless Aggression era and you see kind of his maturation from an upper mid-carder tag team with Rey Mysterio, the classics with Chris Benoit and Kurt Angle and classics with Eddie Guerrero, Los Guerreros and stuff like that into him becoming a main eventer around like 2004, 2005. And he became like a top star throughout the Rufus aggression era into the start of the reality era where he retired that you have the brief nine year period where he's gone. And then, and then the, yeah, brief nine year period is gone. <laughs> and then you, you come back in this whole like, pandemic and post-pandemic era where he's been on wwe been this uh, called this hall of famer this legend and stuff like that he's gonna have some eyes that come over with him to just be like wow this is him over here and you're either gonna leave disappointed or you're gonna stay so you're gonna see the short-term boost it it depends on how long he's going to be doing his whole full-time gig. And you would think with the deal with AEW, we're talking about two, three years or so. So he's trying to finish up his full-time career here. So it just depends on how long they get them to stay. And I think that with this new pay-per-views kind of monthly, there's always going to be focus. And it seems like Tony Khan is more willing to have bigger matches. Cause I think that was the big difference with AEW Wrestle Dream. We had about like three to four matches that could have main evented the show because they've been giving us, they've been less overprotective of the booking than they previously were with giving us matches like Hangman Adam Page and Swerve Strickland or Darby yeah. Allen and Christian or Brian Danielson and Zack Saber Jr. And with Brian Danielson doing this whole final run, you know he's going to be doing big matches you know with adam copeland this is his final final full-time run yeah. himself he's gonna be doing some big matches so you have another draw for people to come see aew so it's all about how they execute it and if he can most of all the big thing that he has to help with i think i can pretty much say that the warner brothers re-up deal probably in the bag next year when it, when it expires with everything they've been doing and all the signs that's been pointing in that direction what they really need to focus on is improving their ticket sales for live events yes. and if they can use adam copeland for that that is going to be the key one one million percent uh mcast do we see adam copeland versus christian cage at full gear i i think it's a guarantee i i think that's i don't Really, I, I think they do the six man at full gear since it's so since it's such a quick turnaround. I see they can get like the Luchasaurus match on October 10th with uh, Adam Copeland. I think they can get a match with Nick Wayne on TV, but they only got like a month or so after that around like after the Luchasaurus match on October 10th. You got a month until full gear. I was going to say, when was full gear? gear? Full gear is like mid, mid middle of November. I It's not like November 18th, I think. Like okay like yeah that. i keep forgetting it's october already so we really aren't that far away the next pay-per-view yeah. after that is there one in december or would it be like winter they, is coming? they are they are talking about doing one in december even fightful confirmed the report originally from uh bodyslam.net that they're okay. doing one around uh december 29th and possibly in new york city which is music to my ears uh but yes uh yeah they might be doing that so i think maybe for a new pay-per-view you need those big time matchups like that right. to kind of be the draw i think they can get away with doing the six man 
in Los Angeles at full gear with everything else that they have planned with MJF versus Jay White, seeming like that's going to be the centerpiece main event uh, matchup. You could do Adam Copeland, uh, Sting teaming up for the first time along with Darby Allen versus the Christian Coalition. Hopefully, if Darby Allen is uh, okay, if he's healthy, yeah, if he's healthy, if he's good to go, I love this next part. We we need a faction of the Adams, Page, Copeland, and Cole. I don't know if I need a faction, but can we just get those three backstage doing the Spider Man point photo, <laughs> the, the the Spider-Man pointing meme? Um, well, that means everybody would have to do it because I think this company has like three Adams, three Nicks. Uh, they got like six Matts. Yeah, they got, they got a whole <laughs> bunch of same personal names. Oh, man. Yeah, there, there's a lot going on with this. Though, I'll tell you what. The thing that I think I'm most excited about, the more that I think about this, and, and that's most interesting to me, is there, there's so much of the edge that we know in WWE, or at least the, the edge that we have grown accustomed to seeing since he's come back from his from his injury same music same exact entrance uh verbatim from the pyro to the the uh let me get down on my knees and throw my hands up and you know it everything was exactly the same that we've seen out of edge in wwe i'm interested to see how different this character of adam copeland is going to be from the edge that we know what does he have up his sleeve? What is he going to be able to do? What is Tony Khan going to allow him to do that WWE maybe would not have allowed him to do? Where is he going to be able to go with Christian right now, who's doing the best work of his entire career, which is really, really saying something right now. The more I think about the possibilities and just the fact that you have Adam Copeland and, and Christian Cage, who are basically unleashed as far as being tethered to any kind of PG programming or anything. We've seen what Christian's been able to do with it. What's Adam going to be able to do with it? That has got me extremely excited to see. And everybody, you know, was like, you know, one didn't see these guys team up together, but you have to always also realize they never really got a big time singles feud. They had their feud in 2001 over the Intercontinental Championship, but a lot of people, myself included, did not like that at the time because it felt like the wrong time to break them up, even though they did tease it for a long time and we saw it coming and and uh, Edge was getting over. It just felt like, oh man, they, there was so much more you could have done oh, with four. them despite them oh, being seven-time tag team champions. But yeah. I think that I think that this is their opportunity that they didn't get during uh, Edge's final run when he had to retire. That was it looked like we were heading in that direction that they were going to get a feud over the World Heavyweight Championship. So this is their their kind of like a redemption tour of doing this feud, doing a matchup against each other, and you're doing it at a time where Christian is thriving. You know, he just main evented a pay per view. He's revitalized the TNT Championship, yeah. and there's a reason why Tony Khan kept the TNT Championship on him because they want to further you know do this what every all the great character work he's been doing they want to be that the centerpiece for that tnt championship and having adam copeland on here just brings more attention to it brings more attention to his character and yeah i'm very interested to see what he's going to do because honestly i feel like wwe gave up on adam copeland or edge during his first uh during this last one after the seth rollins feud 
after the Seth Rollins feud, they was like, all right, you want to do a whole stable? All right, we'll let you do the stable. Okay, you could only call it this couple of names. Which one you like? Okay, Judgment Day. Okay, who do you want in the group? Rhea Ripley, Damian Priest. Okay, who you want to feud with? AJ Styles. Okay, sure, whatever. And then when they when they wanted to take control of the group, they was like, okay, you're out of it. They lost like their top baby face and were like, hey, boss, we need you. Uh, we need you to we need you back. We need you to do it. Playing the hits, coming out, jumping up to all. It was gone. It was gone for three months. And then he just feuded with them for a year. I know. It wasn't like it wasn't like, oh, boss, you know, we need you to turn baby face because we have this feud ready for you. No, we just need you to turn baby face because we lost the baby face. And we, we need we want you, the and we want to, and we, and, and no, and you don't remember the real reason why he left uh Judgment Day is because Vince wanted to make it more spooky, more spook. That was the main reason. That was the report that came out. It wasn't that we need your baby. That came out afterwards. Oh, yeah. this is the reason why. When WWE got wind of people, oh, people know the real reason. Oh, let's come up with our own reason. Oh, it's because we need baby face. Oh, that makes sense. No, I don't believe you. You need more people. No. Hey, and you know what, though? After Triple H got his hands on Judgment Day, they started thriving. Like, they, they, they actually improved without Edge in the group, but Edge got left behind at the end of the day, and he didn't. Like, when, listening to him speak to, to CBS, or at least reading the quotes from, from CBS today, where he's like, look, I was out of ideas. They were out of ideas. Why keep him there? He talked about retiring. But you knew, you just knew he wanted to come over here. He wanted to work with Jay uh, Christian. He wanted to work with FTR. Eventually, I do think we're going to get a uh, an Edge and Christian Hardy Boys matchup at some point. I feel like we got to at least get one uh, with all four of them under the same roof. But the other thing that I think before we Not move on, here, just do it on TV. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, just, main, it, event just, main, main event of dynamite. That, next so that's year, down, that's next year's winter is coming. Yeah, yeah next yeah, year's winter next, is coming. That's that's next year because we got to get the matchup between the two, and I want the stipulation to be, you know, for the TNT title. But if Adam Copeland loses, he has to join the Christian Coalition, Ooh. and that's how we get them together. So with 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 Adam Copeland subservient to Christian Cage. I do like this rated FTR. Yeah. Rated FTR would be a great faction. Uh that would that would be awesome. Uh those those guys are definitely going to be working with one another. By the way, that that video that leaked out of Cash and Dax like geeking out like little fangirls backstage with Edge on How can you not be romantic about pro wrestling? Everybody on this planet is happy for Adam Copeland and this move. WWE is like we're happy for you. Doors open whenever you can come back. Don't burn your shit, folks. Like, it's okay. It's okay. You can still enjoy him. He, he's these, going to be working are, more these, now. Full-time contract? Are you, you kidding have, me? You have to realize these are people that lived 20 <laughs> years with WWE. Yeah, like, they don't know the difference between supporting wrestling and supporting those three letters. Like, those three letters and wrestling, you couldn't, like, you put them both on a piece of paper, and it was like, I see no difference in these two pictures. Like, that's them. Yeah. So I, I understand that, and I have a little bit more grace for them. I do laugh at them when they get <laughs> angry like this, but I have a little bit more grace, and I'm not upset with them. 
for being that way and why they're so upset with Adam Copeland going to AEW uh, to go into AEW. And I'm not even upset with the people who are for AEW fans that are mad at Jay Cargo for going to WWE, even though they are hypocrites because both of y'all. WWE fans were talking about how Edge is so old and Edge is not an interesting storyline and he shouldn't have won at WrestleMania against Finn Balor. And I also heard AEW fans that were like, oh, Jay Cargill's green. She's not that over. So y'all both need to shut up. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. You know what? You know what's so great about this, though? It ain't over. This is the fun period Remember when everybody was all jazzed up when all these WWE release, not that the releases were happening, but when like all AEW started picking up all of their favorites from WWE and they were going to revitalize their careers and everybody was happy and thrilled that everything was thriving. And I'm just sitting here and I'm like, all right, this is cool and all, but it's going to be so much more fun when that is a two way street and we get AEW people running over to WWE. It's, it's just, this is the fun part. And this is the great part about having two major professional companies like this. This is the fun period. Jade Cargill and, and WWE, everybody losing their damn mind. That video did 20 million views. 20 million views. I heard just walking into the damn PC. Adam Copeland showing up all across social media and AEW. 20 million views on social media. Three, on, three million on YouTube alone. Him showing up on AEW Wrestle Dream. Enjoy it, guys. This this is the fun time. This is the fun time. This is when I'm, oh, this, this is the time that I've been waiting for. Waiting for. We do have to move on. We got a lot of other stuff to talk about here. Uh, SP3, several matches added to WWE Fastlane this weekend, including a big triple threat match for the WWE Women's Championship. EO Sky defending against both Charlotte Flair and Asuka. LWO is going to battle Bobby Lashley and the Street Profits. We got Cody Rhodes and Jay Uso challenging Finn Balor and Damian Priest for the undisputed tag team titles. Of course, Seth Rollins and Shinsuke Nakamura in a last man standing match. And LA Knight, yeah, was able to return last Friday on SmackDown. He's going to be teaming up with John Cena to go up against the Bloodline. How are we feeling about this fast lane card this weekend? It's a B show, ladies and gentlemen. It's a B show. That's what it is. (laughs) I mean, like payback. I heard a bunch of people like, oh, payback was good, though. It was great, though. But they forgot the key sent the key words in that sentence. It was great, though, for a B show. (laughs) That's what it was. That's what payback was. That's what the build to this has been where they didn't announce any other matches until Friday and and this past Monday. We had, like, two matches on the docket last time we did this show. So, yeah. yeah. The Women's Triple Threat is the only match I would be interested in seeing, and that has nothing to do with the build-up to it or the lack thereof. So... Uh, I am... I'm... Look, I'm a little more jazzed for for this pay per view than than you are. I have loved the build up between Shinsuke Nakamura and Seth Rollins, even though I, I, I think it would have been it better served. And I know you'll agree with me on this one. It would be better served if those segments were getting the main event segments on Monday Night Raw and spotlighted as like the major thing in WWE. Instead, it's been rinse and repeat. Judgment Day and Cody Rhodes. Judgment Day and Cody Rhodes. Judgment Day and Seth, uh, 
Sami Zayn and, and, and Kevin Owens. Like and now Gunther is a Gunther in the Intercontinental title is ahead of Seth Rollins now, too. Yeah, well, I look, I, I'm not gonna be mad at that, right? Like that match. No, was- no, I'm not I'm not mad at it. I'm just saying yeah. I put it I put it earlier on Twitter. I'll say it here. Seth Rollins as world heavyweight championship feels so secondary. It feels like WWE is like purposely booking it that way. Yeah, and I don't get it because the best thing that happened, the best thing that on the on Raw these last few weeks for me personally has been the work of Shinsuke Nakamura and this character evolution that he's had and these vignettes that he's putting together and the mind games that he's playing with Seth. I thought Seth's promo exchange with Michael Cole last night was spectacular. Setting up this match, FS, like I'm genuinely looking forward to this. Now, I would like to be able to sit here and tell you, SP3, that I believe that Shinsuke Nakamura is going to win on Saturday because I feel like he should win on Saturday. But that's the only thing that's keeping me keeping me back is because I feel like this is setting up Seth Rollins for something else that may be coming down the line that we're going to get to. And, Bell, I see your comment in the uh, in the chat here. We're going to get there. Trust me. I got, I got that question locked and loaded. We're going to talk about it here in just a few minutes. But the women's triple threat, I think, is going to be great. Um, I'm interested to see who's going to be the sixth member or the third member of LWO in that trios match because I have a feeling like it's going to be Dragon Lee and it's not going to be either Joaquin or um, Cruz yeah. Del Toro. But regardless, I think that match is going to be great. It's just that's going to be the, fun. Act, the, the action's going to be good. I just don't yeah. know if there's going to be anything of note that really happens here. It just feels like all of the results are, are pretty predictable on this one. Uh, yeah, Queens- like, like that's that's what I'm saying. Like, like Payback had had one of the best women's matches of the year with Trish Stratus and Becky yeah. Lynch. It had yeah. had that that crazy Steel City Street fight that I, I thought was a great matchup as well. It had Shinsuke Nakamura and Seth Rollins in a good matchup. That's what I expect from Fastlane. I expect this last man standing match to be their best opportunity to have a great match, but I expect it to be good. It's gonna be good. Could I do I have to watch it when it's going on live? Not really. I didn't watch <laughs> I didn't watch Payback Live, and I feel like I, I enjoyed it better when I kind of identified the show as half a show. Half of those matches felt like TV matches, half of the matches felt like pay-per-view matches. And I named the ones that felt like pay-per-view matches. Everything else felt like it could have been on TV. And nine times out of ten, we seen LA Knight versus the Miz on SmackDown. We see Rhea Ripley versus Raquel Rodriguez on Raw. We saw all these matches again on TV because they were TV matches on a goddamn pay-per-view. Yeah. Queen asking, I'm curious why they didn't take the opener to Raw, which I thought was a hot opener Raw last night, and make a uh, women's four-way title match for Fastlane. I I think that would be the wrong mistake because you're finally at least like lining up some challengers for Rhea. You don't want to blow them all in one match uh, because you've got to find time to fill her plate up until Becky's no longer NXT Women's Champion and you can start up their build to WrestleMania because I still believe that that's the match they're going to do but she should have a title defense this weekend like they only got one more show to add another match I doubt I doubt we only get five matches on this card this Sunday or this Saturday excuse me I think they add another Smackdown Smackdown match but I don't think the woman I think they're saving the women's match for Saudi Arabia that's what that that felt like it felt like it felt like the Jay White MJF segment on Dynamite was like, oh, it's not for this pay-per-view. It's for the next one. It's for the next one, yes. Oh, my God, SP3. I was, uh, like, last night in the main event, 
which was Gunther defending the Intercontinental Championship against Tommaso Ciampa. And we'll talk I about it. I should have tweeted it. I should have tweeted I knew that was going to happen. I knew this was going to happen. I, for a second, like, and I, I did tweet this, like, before the match started, like, trying to manifest it to happen. Because after that contract signing, which is one of the better ones that WWE has done, mostly because of the promo work that both of those guys did last night, I'm sitting here and I'm like, Please tell me we're going to get a ref bump. Please tell me Imperium's going to get involved. Please tell me Johnny's going to show up and we're going to crown a new Intercontinental Champion. Like, please tell me that's what's going to happen. Now, that didn't happen. I wanted Ciampa to win that match so damn badly. But I get it. You want to keep the IC title on Gunther? Great. Fine. Whatever. But the fact that Johnny just showed up last night and we finally got the DIY reunion that I have been begging for for a really, really long time. I don't know why they took Johnny off TV for as long as they did. I don't know if it's because he was hurt. I don't know if it was creative differences or what, but we got the report this week that he was at the, or not at the performance center. He was at WWE headquarters this past week. And now he returns on Monday night raw. The, the a DIY is a much needed addition to the tag team division. I, I'm just hoping that this will actually go somewhere now SP three, because it feels like now or never with Johnny Gargano, because they just have not done anything with him and anytime he gets a little bit of momentum going it just stops whether it's an injury or whether it's creative or something like it feels like it's now or never for them to do something with Johnny Gargano it feels like all the stuff is kind of lined up for them to have a good baby face run as a tag team as DIY right now because the the current raw landscape with the judgment day as the tag team champions you have a heel duo that needs to be toppled DIY seemed like the favorite tag team especially after last night with them reuniting to to uh get that win and take the tag team titles off of them and that's going to be a team that kind of like Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn WWE can rely on to give you great tag team to singles matches every single week on Monday Night Raw. So they're going to fit fit a role very nicely. It would also fit into this whole kind of kind of landscape that that uh, that we played out a couple of weeks back with this whole unresolved trade because WWE that's not how trades work. You can't just have a person for months before someone gets traded back. No, There's absolutely you can. Player to be named no. later. It happens in baseball all the time. Player to be named later. This is, this is why this is why I don't watch baseball. <laughs> <laughs> that don't make no sense. That don't make no I, I'm sitting typically here. It's for, typically I'm, it's for I'm standing here. I'm standing here. I handed you a TV and yeah. you're like, I got you. I owe you. Here's the IOU for your papers. Here you go. Like well, what? Typically in baseball, it's for prospects. So they'll like give you a list. It's like you can have any one of these five dudes, and then a team will watch those three, those five guys develop over the next few months, and then they'll pick which one they want. This ain't, but this ain't with NXT. This is with, yeah, this is with another ball team. What are we doing? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Don't assault my intelligence like that. It don't make no sense how this trade works. But we can get Kevin Owens over to, to SmackDown. Yeah. And, you know, DIY firmly fills the role that Zayn and Owens had. Zayn can open up. He can have more of a singles role over on Monday Night Raw. Maybe try to heat him back up to be a main eventer on Monday Night Raw. Maybe a contender for the World Heavyweight Championship. So it can open up a bunch of different things. Honestly, at this point, with so many tag teams that they're featuring right now on Monday Night Raw with DIY, Owens and Zayn, The Judgment Day, Imperium, Alpha Academy, The New Day. 
they should bring the Dusty Rose tag team class to the main roster. I would I would not hate that one tiny little bit. Uh, one last little bit of newsworthy notes here before we get to the four count today instead of the five count because I effed up and asked one of the questions earlier so we can skip it. Uh, Fightful Select saying uh, Mustafa Ali was set to win the North American title prior to his release. Trick Williams ended up winning it at No Mercy SP3. Uh, obviously, they there were some miscommunications there. They had some big plans for Mustafa Ali, and I understand why they were pissed when he was released by, you know, chosen to be one of the talents who were released by the company. But I think they made a great call on an audible by choosing Trick Williams, who is getting over as hell right now with that NXT rot with the NXT audience. This is a guy who wanted to step out on his own and stand on his own two feet away from Carmelo Hayes. And this man is thriving. I don't know if he retains the title tonight on NXT because it sure feels like uh, Rhea Ripley wants that belt back on Dominic. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out, but I'm really happy that this worked out for, for trick Williams. I'm glad for Trick Williams. He's one of the more improved performers over on the developmental brand, and he's gotten over in a big way, as you saw from his reaction from the fans in Bakersfield and for Booker T. Bump that trick. Uh-huh. Bump that trick. Uh-huh. And then Wade Barrett had me rolling on Raw. Uh-huh. Jumbo Shimon. <laughs> Oh my God, they were they had me rolling, but I, I feel bad for Mustafa Ali since yeah. he was gonna get that big moment at No Mercy. It's kind of a letdown in that part, but yeah. I know he's gonna have nothing but success in the you know this next half of his career, this new chapter that he's gonna create outside of WWE. One million percent. Let's dive into this, shall we? It's time to answer the four count on the Believe Podcast Network. All right, SP3. Oh, we have uh, been getting a number of Easter eggs lately, SP3. If you believe them to be Easter eggs, it could just be somebody deciding to call themselves the best in the world. But when you get lines like Michael Cole dropped last night, which was basically like a verbatim of some CM Punk level Ring of Honor dialogue, a lot of people, SP3. No, it wasn't. A lot of people. He just said puppet. It literally was one word of what he said in his promo. I'm just going by the internet reaction, sir. So maybe that's your answer. Is WWE already teasing CM Punk's return and a feud with Seth Rollins with these Easter eggs? Or are people just seeing what they want to see and hearing what they want to hear with this SP3? I think people are hearing what they want to hear and connecting dots that don't need to be connected but if cm punk is coming back to wwe you can't you can't you know you can't can't get much of a better feud for him than seth rollins someone who's publicly kind of bad-mouthed him and said that he didn't want him in the company that seems like a logical first person for him to come back and feud with the fact that these these references best in the world i feel like that one was a reference uh, I don't know about this one with the puppets one because it felt like a stretch when you actually hear the words that CM Punk said. <laughs> it's like, okay, yeah, they're, they're kind of reaching there. But uh, but yeah, uh, I think that this would be a great return feud for CM Punk. I think it's the perfect one. Uh, and very similar to how it, it couldn't have been anybody else with, with Cody. I think it can't be anybody else for 
for CM Punk. And I think even though I, I do believe there, there's real world like level disdain between these two guys, I, I Seth's a pro and he'll work with he'll work with anybody. He'll do business with anybody. We've seen him do business with Cody. They don't like each other. We've seen him do business with Matt Riddle. Eventually, he did business with Matt Riddle after some some stuff was re resolved, but he still worked with Matt Riddle at the end of the day. Um, man, I kind of hope this is a this is the Mania match because I feel like this is a Mania match that could finally get them a main event spot next year that they both have been looking for their entire careers. Whether it's night one or night two, let's be honest, it would be night one. Uh, it's still the main event. It's still considered the main event. They're closing the show for WrestleMania. I think it would be perfect. I do think people are reading too much into it right now. I, it is way too soon for any kind of deal to be drummed up with, with CM Punk and WWE. It feels like a no-brainer, but that's going to be a difficult proposition to to get together all right that's going to take some time i think anyway i don't know I, I i honestly i don't think i could be uh surprised by anything anymore uh we talked about it earlier at the top of the show sp3 zach saber jr brian danielson was one of the best technical wrestling matches in the history of professional wrestling right like there there's so many there's so many talents who are just putting on the best work of their careers right now. We've named so many of them, Christian Cage, Samoa Joe. We've talked about these names over and over, week in and week out. But when it comes to just overall performances, there's two guys that tend to stick out for me, SP3, right now that are both cut from the same cloth in the fact that every single match that they have, every single one of them, it seems like we're saying at the end something similar to that was the best match their opponent has ever had. That they got the best match. That's the best match of their career. Holy shit, that was the the the, the best I've ever seen out of that person. And it's whether they're going up against Gunther or they're going up against Ilya Dragunov. Ilya Dragunov with another classic with Carmelo Hayes uh, at No Mercy this past weekend, which we all knew was going to happen. But following up what they did at Great American Bash, and not only following it up, but exceeding what they did at Great American Bash. Holy shit. That takes a lot. I talked to Ilya about this, like had a conversation with him for cagesideseats.com ahead of no mercy. And look, he said, look, we may not be rivals right now. We may not be feuding right now, but it's always competition between myself and Gunther. We go out. He follows what I do. I follow what he does. And we go out there and we just try to do the best that we absolutely positively can do. And that was on full display this week because after Ilya dragged off and Carmelo Hayes tear the house down, then we get Gunther and Tommaso Ciampa on Monday Night Raw. Like, that's a great answer from, from, from Gunther. And it was the best match that Ciampa's had in a while. They gave that man time to cook, and they, made, they, they, they just created some magic last night. I hate these types of questions, SP3, but I, I'm curious to get your answer. Are Gunther and Ilya Dragunov the best two overall performers going right now? No, there's there's three guys that are better than these two guys. Okay, and they don't work for WWE. So if the question was the are these the best two overall performers in WWE going right now? Yes, they definitely are because I said it on I said it on the Twitter machine 
uh, uh, yesterday after Gunther and Inchampa totally stole the show and had a banger to end off Monday Night Raw. Two nights after Ilya Dragunov and Carmelo Hayes had arguably a top three WWE match of the year and arguably the greatest NXT championship matchup. Probably the best NXT championship matchup since the series between Cole and Gargano. Yes, going all the way back to that point. Ilya Dragunov and Carmelo Hayes, man, that was just one of the best NXT matches I ever seen. It was excellent. So violent, so physically intense. The the callbacks to the previous bout, the storytelling, the facial expressions, you everything you want from a match of the year candidate, that added one of the best WWE matches of the year. Gunther coming back, this Intercontinental title run, man. He's had the matches with Sheamus, the triple threat at, at Mania, the match yep. against Ricochet, the match against uh, against Chad Gable, the matches against Chad Gable, match against Drew McIntyre, match against Ricochet, back against Mustafa Ali. I feel like I said Ricochet twice because he first Ricochet twice in this reign. So, like, yeah, he had so many. These two guys are ahead above everyone in WWE. But there's three guys that are better. Kenny Omega in 2023, it's not been talked about enough that every single time this man has a singles matchup, it literally is the average star rating is five stars when he has a singles (laughs) matchup. He has the match with the two matches with Vikingo and AEW and AAA. He's got the two with Osprey who are just there. They're like, there's no question. Those are like top three matches of the year. Both of them. Both of them. And it's very rare you get that. You always get the choice of people when they're, when two guys have series of matches in one year, you're either going to say one match is greater than the other. But it seems like unanimous. Everybody's saying these two matches are in my top three, top five of the year. So, yeah. You, when you have that on your resume, you have to be in the question. The other person in that matchup also has to be in the question. And Will Ospreay's 2023. Yeah, it's kind of laughable that you ask this question when you think of Will Ospreay's 2023. With the two Kenny Omega matches, a six-star matchup against Sensuyo Naito in the G1. He had a great matchup with Okada in the G1, with El Fantasmo in the G1, with Tai Chi earlier this year. He went to the UK and had bangers with Luke Jacobs and Robbie X earlier this year. He had a banger. He had a five-star matchup with Shingo Takagi in the UK. Just before, he had a four-and-three-quarter star matchup against Chris Jericho. Just before, he had this great classic matchup in the trios matchup at WrestleDream. He's about to bring Speedball Mike Bailey in Impact Wrestling. He's about to bring Zack Sabre Jr. in the UK. How can you ask this question and not not think, oh, maybe I shouldn't because there's Will Ospreay. No, there's a reason why I asked this question, SP3, is because I wanted that answer. Because there are people who only watch WWE, SP3. I know, I know, I know, I know, but I, I'm, not, I'm, just, I'm just putting it in perspective for the people that I might not be watching. You need to check out Wall Street <laughs> 2023. And then that, the third person on that list that's just a little bit better than Gunther and Ilya Dragunov this year or going right now, Brian Danielson. Brian Danielson, like, we need to cherish that we have yeah. one of the greatest professional wrestlers that has ever lived before us. And the fact that this year he's had the greatest Iron Man match we've ever seen with MJF. He had the greatest technical wrestling matchup we've ever seen with Zack Sabre Jr. He had 
He has, he's had great matches with Kashuka Okada. He's had the, the multi-man matches with Blackpool Combat Club and the Elite. He had the whole series of matches on Dynamite with Konosuke Takeshita and, and Bandito and Brian Cage and Timothy Thatcher and Roosh. Like, like yeah, there's th those three guys are the, oh, yeah, they are the best of 2023 as far as in-ring. But when you put Gunther and Ilya Dragunov, you have an all-time top five this year alone. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And, like, I mean, I would still put the work that Samoa Joe's been doing, like, near the, near the top five as well. Like, from an overall performance standpoint, I think Samoa Joe's doing the best work of his career. It's insane when you think of, like, guys like Samoa Joe, guys like Christian Cage, guys like Brian Danielson, who are already... Hall of Fame, accomplished everything. Well, Samoa Joe hasn't accomplished everything, even though he fucking should have by now. But, like, all of these guys who are should be well past their prime, SP3, doing the best work that they've ever done right now in 2023. It's an insane time. It's an absolutely insane time right now. Speaking of insane, we talked about Carmelo Hayes and Ilya Dragunov and how great that matchup was. How about the main event for No Mercy? No rules, street fight, Tiffany Stratton, Becky Lynch for the NXT Women's Championship. This is another one of those matches where I'm like, there's no possible way people could complain about this match, SP3. Then you get online, and I'm seeing, oh, Becky buried Tiffany. There it is. She didn't get her win back. Tiffany's been buried. Becky Lynch brought out her burying shovel, and she's just... Uh, I actually saw somebody say she just stole the title and went to the main, like, just took it to the main roster. I'm like... Motherfucker, you have not even been watching NXT. You Don't thief. even lie. You Don't even thief. lie. SP3 was Tiffany Stratton a winner, even though she lost at No Mercy, because that that main event was spectacular. Tiffany Stratton, I compared her performance. I just dropped uh, earlier today on my No Mercy review over on the True Hill Heat YouTube channel. So if you want a thorough breakdown of the whole entire show, you can check that out after we're done here. But I, I said Tiffany Stratton stepped into the moment and had a coming out party in this matchup in a similar fashion to what Yoda Suji for Japanese professional wrestling fan Yoda Suji just had a similar moment at destruction in Kobe on September 24th when he faced Will Ospreay in his first five-star rated matchup Tiffany Stratton had a similar moment and the same guy that we complain about his rating and say he doesn't give love to WWE matches he called Tiffany Stratton and uh Becky Lynch the best NXT women's match he's seen since Bailey versus Sasha Banks. And yeah. that's the biggest compliment a Dave Meltzer could give something <laughs> because that's, that's about as high he will go for a women's matchup, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> if it's not in Japan. And even in Japan, he don't get five stars because Julia versus Sam Nakano was five stars this year. He gave that four and three-quarter stars. So. <laughs> Um, but no, Tiffany Stratton, she is definitely a winner. I gave her one of the MVPs of the whole entire show because she stepped into the moment, went up to Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch, man, people need to talk about how she has done postnatal. Postnatal, she oh is God. on her her Jordan after he was playing baseball run. No she is kidding, on, she is on a Jordan after he played baseball. She had the 45 on for a little bit when she was still getting out the kinks of a heel character, but like she was still having great matches, even during that period with the matchup she had with like Bianca Belair and uh I think it was like No Mercy or whatever. Yeah, even back then she was still cooking, but 
She has just put it all together, and she's having a hell of a run right now with the Trish Stratus match, Zoe Stark matchup, the Tiffany Stratton match before yeah. this one, and then you add this one to the mix. Becky's on a roll right now and putting herself in contention for one of the women's wrestlers of the year of 2023. But Tiffany Stratton, she's going to be a main eventer and a champion for years to come. Yeah, look, this this was never about the outcome. It was always going to be about the performance, and people have to remember that matters in pro wrestling. It's not always about who wins and who loses. And Tiffany Stratton going blow for blow with one of the goats, because there's no question about it. And I'm glad that you say it, because I've, I I try not to talk about Becky too much on this show, because, I, again, people are going to look at my bias, which I'll admit I have, and roll their eyes anytime that I talk about her. But she is one of the greatest of all time. And this run that she's doing right now 100% proves it. And I love that analogy, her Jordan post-baseball run, because that's what she's on right now. Banger after banger. And the like, look at what she's trying to accomplish, too. By getting Tegan Knox on Monday Night Raw. It's a shame that they couldn't have that match last night because Becky got a nasty ass cut on her arm. Or that Tegan Knox is the most unluckiest wrestler of all time. There's that too. There's that too. But that match is supposed to happen next week. That match is supposed to happen next week. But regardless. <laughs> I'm just saying. Oh, and I forgot to say about the thing we were talking about before with Gunther and uh, Ilya Dragunov. Like, if we're just talking about WWE. It's funny what they're doing with these banger. They're having a banger race that is like very comparable to Sammy Sosa versus Mark McGuire. Mark McGuire. The yeah. whole run race. That's yeah. what they're doing right now. Low key. It, <laughs> it wasn't obvious, but you know, certain people like you, good interviews like you, ask those questions, but they are having a competition before our eyes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I love asking questions that I already know the answer to. Before I ask them, because I just want that confirmation from them. I, I want to I want to be able to put it on record. And that's why I asked those questions. But the result for Tiffany Stratton was never going to look. They, they were not going to take the belt off of off of off of Becky because Becky wants to do with this NXT Women's Championship of elevating other stars and getting more people on television. The fact that we saw a digital with Indy Hartwell, who has not done anything since she got healthy, just backstage checking out the NXT championship. And they had a nice little funny, little cute exchange. And now to Indy Hartwell is going to be on NXT tonight. Becky's going to be on NXT tonight. They're looking for new challengers. Tegan's going to get her shot next week. She's trying to get more people on television, more experience. It's a great way to use Becky until you're ready for her to go up against Rhea Ripley come WrestleMania season. Final question, SP3. Last Wednesday, we get Jay White, we get MJF, we get him in the ring. They're arguing back and forth with one another. It seems that we're, we're setting up a, a world title feud between Switchblade, Jay White, and MJF. You can sign me up for that. I'm excited for it. Jay White in the, main, in the world title picture makes all the sense in the world. But come by the end of the show, we get a firm slash retribution style beatdown of Jay White backstage, and then we get the devil himself appearing, MJF, MJF's mask on the devil. We know it wasn't MJF just based off of the, the build of that man. It does look eerily similar to Adam Cole. I don't know if that's the message that they're trying to set up. Who who the hell is behind this mask, SP3? What, what, what are we thinking? What's the rumors? What's what What is your conspiracy theory about what they're setting up here with the man who stole MJF's mask. I, th I think we still need more information because my initial thought is that it's uh, Adam Cole, 
but it seems like too obvious. I feel like if it is Adam Cole, the mystery is then going to be who's the fifth guy because there was four masked men along with the yeah. devil. So who's the fifth guy? And I think the fifth guy reveal would probably be Kyle O'Reilly returning, which I would love. Mm. I would yes. love and be here for it. I would be here for the undisputed kingdom with Adam Cole as the leader with uh, Matt Taven, Mike Bennett, and Roddy Strong. So, yes. yeah, I'd be I'd be here for it. So I'd be down for it. But it feels like with wrestling angles, if it's the most obvious choice, that's not the choice they're gonna pick. Yeah, I know. Like, but it's like I, I keep looking at everything that has gone on between MJF and Adam Cole, and like. Throughout the entirety of this, MJ or Adam Cole has gotten MJF to continuously do things he ordinarily would not do. He got this man to defend the Ring of Honor Tag Team Championships in a handicap match on a pay-per-view. He's gotten this man to wrestle twice in one week. Like he the, the things that he's been able to force MJF to do, like in this babyface MJF run, it feels like he's setting him up for something. And MJF is constantly wanting to trust his gut and just drop Adam Cole and literally chuck him out into the middle of a bay, bay, bay. But he's not doing it because Adam Cole, like a freaking Jedi, just over his shoulder, just sensing what is coming from behind him, is always just saying, nah, bruh. Do what you got to do, but you don't really want to do this. It just these are not like the droids you want. Cole is it, it, it's it. He is he's Jedi mind tricking him every single time that MJF wants to hit him with a dynamite diamond ring or the triple B, and he doesn't do it. And the crowd pops, and MJF like an addict, he's become addicted, become addicted to the crowd reactions, and it keeps him with Adam Cole. He finally feels like he has a real friend, and what happens? He's blind now. It feels like Adam Cole has been just setting him up, playing the long game so he can finally get his hands on the Triple B. And he's had his buddies, Roderick Strong and the Kingdom, behind him the whole time. And the fifth guy, that's a great call. Kyle O'Reilly, if he's back. I saw people on, on screen saying, one of those guys looks big. It must be Wardlow. That don't make any damn sense. Uh, Kyle O'Reilly being the fifth guy makes a ton of sense to me. I feel like it has to be him. But then you get this freaking ankle injury that comes into play. And I'm telling you, SP3, I believe his ankle's hurt. I believe his ankle yeah. is hurt. But yeah, I'm questioning the severity of the injury and whether or not he really needs surgery and whether or not he really... When you start saying, like, I fractured it in three places and I tore all these ligaments, when you're being very vague like that, I didn't see no breaks in that x-ray, by the way. Like, I'm not a doctor, but I didn't see no breaks in that x-ray. All right? Like, I am... I'm not conspiracy theory guy. But I feel like Adam Cole's going to be back in a month. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be good. to go. I feel like we're getting played here. I feel like we're getting played and I feel like MJF is getting played. I think it's Adam Cole. I think it makes the most sense for it to be Adam Cole. And then you can have babyface MJF off on his own big time heel Adam Cole fighting for the triple B and Adam Cole can finally take it off of him if that's the direction they decide to go. But it just yeah. seems like it's set up way too much for Adam. I feel like Adam, a uh, heel Adam Cole should be the person that dethrones MJF because MJF, you then have that that major kind of crust of sympathy for the character overall because he put all his trust in in 
in Adam Cole only for him to betray him and stab him in the back in the end. And plus the attack on Jay White makes a lot of sense on twofold because he's in the way of the ultimate goal of of him taking the title off of MJF after all this work that he's done to MJF with this friendship. And And Jay White injured Adam Cole and concussed him back at Forbidden Door, like he said in his promo. He laid it out, the reason why he would do something. And they also foreshadowed it with the devil mask being in Adam Cole's uh, locker room following All In. So all of those little things, their storytelling has gotten very much better. And we're invested in a lot of the different characters and stories more than we were previously in AEW. And outside of even just the better than you, Bebe, I feel like AEW has the four best characters in wrestling right now with Julia Hart, uh, Roddy Strong, Tony Storm, and Christian yeah. Gage. Tony Storm is the best thing in wrestling right now. Like, literally the best. Like, her, if you did not see her sit down with RJ City on Collision this week, it was the best 60 seconds of TV I've watched all week. Period. End of story. You used to be able to wear, put on a backwards hat and throw some pies. If uh, people people love you. People love you. Are you? Are you hitting are you on coming? Me? Are you coming on to me? <laughs> well, why not? What's wrong with me? <laughs> Frantic world, this made me laugh way too damn hard. What if it's Bobby Fish? Uh, <laughs> Where's the lie? <laughs> you know, here's another thought, though. Could be interesting. What if it's Britt Baker? What if, what if Britt Baker's involved in all this, too? Because she's the one who's tweeting out all the medical photos of Adam of Adam's injury. Like, I would not be surprised. She don't. She, her and MJF have sparred on social media before. They don't have a whole lot going on for Britt right now. Now that she's lost their TBS championship, and we've heard her talk about before, she doesn't want to be in the world title picture anymore because she had a bad experience being the women's world champion. And Soraya's got that on lockdown right now, doing other things. What if they decide to go that avenue with Britt Baker? I think that would be interesting. Not saying that she's like the devil, but what if she, maybe she is, who knows, pulling the strings. I don't know what the correlation would be. She could be a part of the Undisputed Kingdom as well. I'm trying to get these names over. Street Business and Undisputed Undisputed Kingdom. Kingdom. I like it. I've come up with some good ones. Uh, Dude, Street Business was spectacular. Uh, What you got going on in True Heel Heat this week, sir? Uh, like I mentioned before, you can check out my review of NXT No Mercy. We also did a review of AEW Wrestle Dream with myself and Jay News earlier this week, breaking everything down match by match uh, and everything that uh, went on in Seattle. So check those out right now. Um, I'll be back live, I think, tomorrow for our WWE Fastlane preview, but I got to wait and see. I, I tend to forget that this there's a pay-per-view on Saturday. Uh, yeah, I'm going to try to get a prediction show going, uh, for this channel as well. I, I just want to wait because I want to wait. I want to see if any more matches get added because right now we're only at five. Uh, so I'm, I'm, that's why I waited last week to do the, the one with Stephanie hypes, uh, for both, uh, NXT, no mercy and, uh, AEW wrestle dream, because I had a feeling more matches were going to be coming. We did it on a Friday afternoon and there were three matches that were added after that. So it's like. Quit booking these damn shows at the last minute. Jesus, we got channels we trying to freaking do content for. Uh, but you can check out my uh, interview with Julia Hart. She was great. I agree with SP3. Her character work has been phenomenal. And yes, uh, she believes that her character is cool as fuck. And she's happy that all y'all think it's cool as fuck too. Uh, so make sure to check that out. 
again, uh, hopefully I'll be dropping a conversation with Vert Vixen this week. And uh, I feel like more is on the horizon as well. So uh, give this video a thumbs up. Appreciate you guys staying with us for the uh, full uh, 70 minutes of this 45 minute podcast. And uh, yeah, subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Thank you guys so much. Enjoy the rest of your week. SP3 and I will be back next Tuesday, 2 p.m. ish here on the Believe in Pro Wrestling podcast YouTube channel brought to you by Bet Online. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.